ponder the question. What if? Welcome back, Swamp Kittens, to the most recent edition of I Want My MCU TV. Today, we are taking on Season 1, Episode 4 of Marvel's What If, where uh, the premise is, what if we watch a real downer of an episode? (laughs) (laughs) Processing their feelings with me today are Don Melton. Hello. And Kelly Gamont. Man, oh, man. I just, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're all, we're all, we're all like processing here. And I'm Lisa Schmeiser. Uh, longtime listeners and first time listeners, here's how this is going to work. This podcast is divided into three separate and uh, nowhere near equal segments. <laughs> <laughs> first, there's the revision segment where we bottom out what is different in this what if compared to MCU canon. And then we go into the reaction segment where we talk about how we reacted to this episode, um, perhaps for this uh, edition of the podcast we'll just cry and rock for 15 minutes you know anything is possible we have the eye of Agamotto. we can flip it around and finally we go into a segment we like to call really whereupon kelly and i pelt don melton with questions about marvel comics lore to find out what deep cuts we can enjoy in the episode courtesy of the easter eggs the writers and artists have given us all right we're all clear on the format everybody is it time yeah. for us to Time for us to launch into the uh, revision section where we talk about what changed in this episode. What is the little thing that nudged it over into parallel universe, multiverse um, narrative, as opposed to the MCU narrative we all know and love? This is a tricky one, guys, because we have Jeffrey Wright as the watcher saying, the, what if Dr. Strange lost his heart in that accident and not his hands? And we see repeated footage of poor Christine Palmer getting fridged in a wide variety of ways during a car accident. That's what they want you to think. However, Don, you raised a super interesting point about what you think the real pivot from MCU continuity was in this episode. Uh, yeah, in the in the open show, which is filled with expletives and worse, and which we <laughs> never never let all of you hear. Uh, the key thing is, and I went I had to go back and uh, watch the movie again, which is actually a very pleasant experience because it's it's one of my favorite MCU films. Is in the movie, uh, uh, Strange and Doctor Palmer are not. Dr. Palmer is not Strange's girlfriend. They're exes when there's the film... even like a whole back and forth where she talks about she now has the strange rule at work where she doesn't date her colleagues. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So so something happened in the past where she's actually excited about going uh getting picked up uh by Steven and going to this party where he's gonna uh, get an award. And by the way, do you know what the procedure was that he's getting an award for? I forget what the name of uh, the actual procedure is, but it's basically separating someone's brain, which is a sort of sick inside joke for what happens in this show. No. Uh, so, true. Yeah. Okay. so anyway, so something happened in the past where Dr. Strange can lose his heart because he obviously loved Christine Palmer. Mm-hmm. And 
in the movie, I don't think he realized he he loved her until uh, he went to find the cure for his hands. And in the process of discovering himself and discovering what a selfish uh, bunghole uh, he was, then I think his feelings for Christine, you know, were made aware. And then he realized he couldn't have her because he's got to take care of the whole world and the universe. And so it's, it's a very, very different world, but that divergence happened long before uh, uh, the car ride. That's my theory. And I'm sticking to it. So what I think is interesting, Don, is um, that's absolutely underplayed through this whole episode because they focus instead on, oh, he loved her so much and he mm-hmm. loses his mind or rather he loses his moral compass when he loses Christine or rather half of him loses his moral compass because timey wimey split stuff. <laughs> um, yep. But uh, like you pointed out, I, I went back and watched parts of Dr. Strange after I watched the episode that we're discussing mm-hmm. because I wanted to see how much of it echoes the when I'm, when there's the part where you see him perpetually trying to stop the car crash. And that mm-hmm. reminded me a whole lot of the sequence where he keeps Dermamu, I've come to make a bargain. Exactly. Um, yes. And I was like, okay, how much of a resonance is there here? And the answer is, Oh, a whole lot. Um, <laughs> but then I, but then I went back to watch the strange Christine stuff as well. Cause I was like, might as well. And also Rachel McAdams rocks the house. And yes. um, I loved Oh, you know what, uh, listeners? We've actually slid straight into reaction. This happens a lot. Um, I actually yeah. really, I, I love the chemistry that Cumberbatch and McAdams have, and I love the way that they've set up um, Palmer and Strange. Where like she's fond of him, she may even love him, but she loves herself too, and so she brooks no nonsense. And when he pulled out his nonsense, she was out of there. And yeah. the Christine in this, what if? doesn't seem to be as um much of uh, uh as her own person yeah she doesn't seem as self-protective if that makes sense you know yeah uh, i i know exactly what you mean yeah and she's like totally into him and oh i want to hear your speech and oh tell me your speech and you promised me creme brulee and i'm like woman you can make yourself creme brulee in the United <laughs> <week>. um <laughs> but that was um what i thought was really interesting is you do get a rare view of a functional romantic relationship in a marvel property and then promptly ends <laughs> Yes, but but Christine is different as a character, and you could probably chalk that up too. Well, this is a completely different um, universe, and so maybe the linchpin is: what if Christine Palmer had a little less of that self-preservation instinct and just loved being Stevens plus one of these things? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that surprised me about this episode was uh, the end and how. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you know, th- this isn't. This isn't a warm and fuzzy, you know, like we sort of got what I would consider a really interesting story in the first episode. We got a really interesting story in the second episode. Um, I thought like we talked about the third one. I wasn't thrilled with it, but it was still uh, and and it did not have the most pleasant of endings, I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it did. It did still sort of end with the, the universe existing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and this one, this one did not. Like we get to the end, and like that was the thing that really struck me was like everything just goes black, and then there's credits. Here you go. Uh, and but I did uh, a thing I did enjoy in this one. We'll have to spend a minute on this. Is uh, we finally got to hear the watcher stop watching. Like he interacted. Yeah. And uh, part of what I appreciate that, about that is that um, uh, we had a question for the house from uh, Alex over on Twitter. Hi, Alex, uh, mm-hmm. who said, who's Owatu talking to? Like, there's not a lot of fourth wall stuff in the yeah. MCU, really. And the narrator is talking to somebody. And who would who would that be? And so. I'm curious about that. And this was the first time we saw the narrator talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. I have an answer for that. He, d- he does the same thing in the comics. And the mm-hmm. assumption I always had as a kid was he was talking into a tape recorder, you know, because he's watching and recording okay. everything and whatever. So I always got the impression that, you know, he's he's doing notes for all the other watchers because Watu isn't the only watcher. Right. Or there's a watcher assigned for every uh, world that has symbiote species. And so that's what I always assume. Now, they could pull something out of their MCU heinies to explain <laughs> who he's talking to. I don't know, but that's what, okay. you know, me and the rest of the nerds when we were kids. Uh, well, if assumed. you remember in one of the movies, we see that um, the Stan Lee cameos, him sitting with a bunch of watchers chatting with them. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So we've established there are already multiple watchers. It's entirely possible that this particular watcher is doing field notes because later he's going to have to report on this and be like, yeah, this was not my job description. <laughs> Mostly harmless. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was just supposed to be one of the, the many one-offs um, <clears throat> by uh, James Gunn, you mm-hmm. know, Mm-hmm. His his little things he shot into the air and were supposed to go nowhere, but some of them have stuck around, like his little Howard the Duck one-off, which <laughs> uh, which appeared in episode two of the series. What if Chala mm-hmm. became a Starlord? Uh, one thing I, I want to comment on this episode. Yeah, it was a total downer mm-hmm. uh, in the sense, but and we'll get when we get to theory time later on. I'll explain why maybe it's not at all or maybe it's a different kind of downer. The thing I, I really enjoyed was we finally got Jeffrey Wright <clears throat> sounding more like a, uh, uh, a bargain basement, uh, Rod Serling, you know, he actually did some interaction. <laughs> yeah. The and thing that you wanted. We, yes. Yeah. And we got all the original voice actors from the Dr. Strange film reprising their parts, except, and this was really odd. We didn't get Chuitel IGO for yeah. uh, reprising his part. And did anyone notice that when, when they're doing the a flashback and Strange is looking through and figuring out what's the stupid book, the time, yeah. the time stone, figuring out how to use it. And Wong comes up on one side mm-hmm. and, uh, and says, you know, we're, we're not supposed to use that. And in the movie, Mordo comes up on the other side oh, right. and tells him, yeah. but here it's not Mordo. It's the ancient one. So maybe more, maybe this is another variation, but that's not seen as being quite so pivotal. 
right. as um as, as as the big one which is that strange and christine have a functioning relationship so mm-hmm. Or, or rather, Christine's personality has changed enough to where she can have a functional relationship with Stephen Strange. Um, this Strange seemed to be a lot more dependent on human interaction than mm-hmm. the Doctor Strange that we know from the MCU. Because one of the things about, um, actually, one of the reasons I like the Stephen Strange in the MCU is he's a dude who who knows his social etiquette and interacts with people but he doesn't seem to like he doesn't care if he's popular he doesn't care if he has friends to a point um his relationship with wong delights me but that's because wong is as much of a house cat as he is (laughs) (laughs) but i never thought about them that way that's basically what it is yeah they're both house cats yeah and as a cat and as a person who who loves cats i get it um but but in this what if this is somebody who um it's it's not grief for his own ambition because that's that's still fine obviously it's grief for somebody else and i don't trust that the doctor strange of the mcu would have reacted the same way if he had ended up accidentally killing his ex-girlfriend in a car accident when they were going someplace like that guy's just not the same he doesn't have that he's just not as capable of connecting on that level and I thought it was interesting that Christine and Strange's personalities were changed so much compared to the MCU version. Right, which is, okay. goes back to my whole point about the divergence mm-hmm. happening much earlier. Way earlier than we saw in the... Yeah. In the okay, yeah. 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 So what else did you like and not like about it as we <laughs> blend the sections of the show? You guys, I felt so bad for that poor little gnome. <laughs> that poor little lawn gnome oh i don't know he didn't look he he didn't look particularly defenseless when he popped up out of the thing i felt Um, bad for him though i did did that was a design that was straight out of remember the gnome book was it back in the 80s or yes yes that was straight out of there i swear yeah um so I actually laughed. I'm, I was watching the episode myself on my computer and actually laughed out loud uh, when the gnome appeared. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? Oh, my gosh. No, I'm trying to remember um, who it's. Oh, Will Hudgen is the guy who did the original gnome book. And it was illustrated by, um, I'm going to mispronounce this because it looks Dutch, um, <laughs> Rian uh, Port Vliet. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. But yeah, there's this whole aesthetic that goes with it. Um, also been parodied uh, beautifully in the cartoon series Gravity Falls. But but here, I did feel bad for that poor little gnome. Oh, that poor little pocket size evil. Um, <laughs> overall, like I appreciated with the animation, I really appreciated the effort they went to to make sure we could tell both strangers apart because. The strange who had not lost his mind and gobbled up creatures uh, had a blunter beard. He didn't have the terrible coloring. His yeah. body posture was just slightly different. So I appreciated the visual cues a whole lot. Um, yeah, Doctor Strange it, and Doctor Strange Supreme. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. is what they're calling it. And but uh, also, did you notice that... Uh, uh, the magnificent Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, what he was doing with his voice yes. for the two different strangers, I thought was yeah. really good. By the way, so a lot good. of people don't. 
a lot of people don't realize this, you know, in the original film, you know who voices Dormammu? I thought Benedict Cumberbatch did that. Yes, he did. That's him. And most people don't realize that. (laughs) Which is weird because one of the, like, before he was in the MCU, one of the roles a lot of people knew him for was the voice of the dragon in The Hobbit. Yeah. 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 This is where yeah. you're like, I'm rooting for Smaug, frankly. Um, <laughs> yeah, at that point, I'm like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I can get behind this. Does he? I'm sad. He's like, is there you're a very chance persuasive, he could win? Mr. Dragon? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're making yeah. some valid points there, Smaug. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, Don, I was thinking about your critique of the last episode when we were going back and forth over who did good voice work and who did not, because. I feel like we really had everybody hitting it out of the park on the voice work this time. Like Rachel McAdams was just a delight and Dr. Strange was like, like, you know, fantastic in in all of his incarnations. Um, I feel like Wong can do no wrong. Honestly, I just adore him. So he was fine. The man man is wonderful in everything he's into. Yeah. And Tilda Swinton. Yes. I could listen to Tilda Swinton read menus. I yep. was like, how did they get her back for this? And Phil was like, they drove a truck of money to her house and a truck full of like legal clauses she had already signed. And she looked at the trucks and nodded and went in and fired up yeah. spot, fired up like quick time. And I was like, oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that's what happened. And Ike Amandi, who um, did Obang, was, I thought, just fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed listening to everybody in this, like in this one, Uh, you know, like even though it was a bummer, like I think part of what made it so striking was enjoying all of those pieces of it Mm -hmm. along the way and getting to hear all of the people doing great work and then, you know, getting to hear, just getting to kind of, you know, hear everybody anyway and all of that. Like, I think that's part of why, like, and scene was sort of... As dramatic as it was. Yeah. One of my um, work habits is to put on like a streaming show in the background and just treat it like a radio play where it just, it keeps like the gibbering monkeys in my brain occupied so I can zone out and do something else. Okay. And um, what I've noticed is this one plays like a radio play. So you can watch it and you get a lot out of watching it because the visuals are great, um, you know, and they're very, oh, look, there's, there's wizardy things happening. And that's delightful. But because the voice work is so good, this one is a really enjoyable one to listen to as well. Mm-hmm. Did you also notice we got another MCU uh, veteran as the uh, anchor on TV? Yes. Leslie yes. Uh, Leslie Bibb as Christine Everhart. She again. first showed up in Iron Man. So yes. I yep. love and appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so I they got, I, I was just really surprised they took the time to to get her back. So my theory is, is this is all original cast members. And if Aikamati is not an original cast member, they should make him one because he's marvelous. Uh, This is, there's an asterisk next to this show. And I've had some, for theory time, I have some theories on that. Well, I've done all the reacting I have. I have a question for the professor. Well, I mean, like in like for the reaction portion, like we have. Well, I have a point to bring up with Don from earlier. And then I want to move into really, because I have just one big question for for the professor this week. Um, You know, Don, you were talking about earlier, you're like, oh, it's a James Gunn throwaway. Um, And the I'd like to gently push back against that and say, I don't and say, I don't think. What I'm going to say is, I think it's canonical that there are multiple watchers 
and that oh, the Uwatu, yeah. and that the Owatu oh, sure. from the series is going to hang out with Stanley and the rest of them and be like, oh, you got to believe this universe or you know, Doctor Strange <laughs> lost his mind over a breakup. Um, and the reason I say that is um, Sir Ben Kingsley, <laughs> and uh, oh. well, Sir Ben, because my contention is Marvel never throws anything away and they have such a fanatical attention to detail. And anytime you include any detail that's remotely comics adjacent or comics referencing, there is probably somebody whose sole job, or I should say whose primary job is to say, tell me how we're going to use this in an upcoming property. And oh, that's, that's totally Kevin uh, Faye. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. Cause you think you about know, the they wheels had that... were spinning in his head when yeah. uh, Gunn did that. Yeah, because they had that, um, you know, one shot that Ben Kingsley did where, you know, because remember in Iron Man 3, he plays yeah. the Mandarin. He play, Well, the he Mandarin. plays the actor who's playing the Mandarin because remember well, the Mandarin Tony, is not Tony, remember, Trevor Slattery, Trevor Slattery. And remember, Trevor Slattery, a.k.a. the Mandarin, Trevor Slattery is an actor yes. that Sam Rockwell hired solely to be like, oh, let's just put everyone's latent racism to good use here and make him the front of a terrorist organization. Yeah. And then in the short, you discover that the actual terrorist organization doesn't approve of this PR strategy. And mm-hmm. this was like a short that got rolled into like DVD releases and stuff. And then Disney Plus resurfaced it last week because it references the Ten Rings. And what movie is coming out today? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And so I was like, oh, my God, they really never throw anything away. I'm really glad they didn't throw Sir Ben Kingsley away because he yeah. is a national treasure. And would it be wonderful mm-hmm. if he makes it into next season of What If? <laughs> <laughs> as in what if he really were the, the what if he of, actually ended up being who the knows? mandarin yeah. yeah yeah who knows who knows so so yeah i i, I firmly believe that we're going to get uh, a whole bunch of uwadus or rather uwadu and all of his friends looking like disturbing toddlers in capes um <laughs> chit-chatting very about dis- continuity. very disturbing oh they yeah. do like the proportions are just like a bunch of of toddlers and i hate it so <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's blame, it's blame Jack Kirby for that. He's the I freaky. That design. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if we're if we're borderline going into oh really uh, let's, something let's started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. uh, one thing you should know is you know how um, Obain said you know uh, when the alternate strange uh, starts looking for the lost library of uh, Cagliostro. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's not Cagliostro, but in the comics, he is. Okay, so this was my whole, really? Was <laughs> Please tell me who Obeng is. Well, it's one of the aliases that Cagliostro uh, has in there. So who's Cagliostro? Well, he was actually a real historical figure, but Marvel sort mm-hmm. of like used him. Marveled him uh, up. Yeah, marveled him up as a... Uh, as a dark wizard from uh, times past. Uh, but I think he was some guy from uh, some monk or something like that from medieval mm-hmm. times. I, I don't know what the whole uh, background there is, but I knew, no, I do know that uh, Obeng, uh because mm-hmm. I was wondering how they spelled it. I had to wait for the credits. And I was like, son of a gun, he is Cagliostro. So uh, that was a really interesting thing, and which makes me think that Aikamati may make it back to the MCU in some form or another. Uh, so that's uh, that's one thing I wanted to point out. Uh, one thing that I noticed, uh, and somebody else online pointed this out, 
uh, to me as well. But I thought the Doctor Strange Supreme, haven't I seen him before? And sure enough, if you go back to all the little promo five seconds of footage stuff from the trailer for the whole season. <laughs> yeah. You will see a scene of Captain Carter mm-hmm. confronting Dr. Strange Supreme. Cause it's not Dr. Uh-huh. Strange. I went back and looked at the drawing and the footage. Mm-hmm. That's this guy. Really? So we, yes, we have not seen the last of this continuity. Wow. And so this, my theory is they are just forking with us <laughs> big time here. And there is continuity here between these episodes and something else that's coming. And so we're all thinking they're one-offs. And my theory is Marvel's playing the long game here. Oh, I was always sort of hopeful that we would get sort of a maybe a mention or like a nod to some of the other things that we have already seen, like uh, the the very familiar looking tentacles that come out of the Bingo. ring on the floor. Yeah, from um, the first episode. It, yeah. it, it's obviously the same creature. So yes. is that, are they going to tie this up in a follow-up episode this season? What are they doing? The other thing is other people have pointed out, and I did not notice this from the trailer, but the upca- upcoming uh, Spider-Man film, which has Doctor Strange in it, we all yes. got the the trailer was last week or the week before last. Yeah. I forget. It's all a blur. Recently, very recently, recently, yes. and uh, and Strange is acting like not quite Doctor Strange. Like, why would he do some of those wacky things? But somebody pointed out, did you notice his hands? His hands don't have the scars on them. <gasps> yeah. Well, they may not have CG'd them in before they put the trailer out. This is true. <laughs> but makes you think, doesn't it? But I run a home for just such an assertion. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that's also a very appealing theory. I, I like the idea of that. Yeah. Because right, there was a so- bunch of discussion about, like, why would he help Peter in the first place? Like, how did they end up mixed up together? So that could be a good reason why is because this doctor has a very different agenda than the one who would have said, of course not, don't be ridiculous. You know, one of these days, someone is going to have to go through all of these crackpot theories we espouse and see what the rate <laughs> on on fulfillment is. Uh, I, I think your money is better spent. Uh, on literally oh, anything else. Yeah, <laughs> on literally anything else in terms of payoff. Uh, I would suggest a, a bond fund. Uh, so... Um, and that pays like one and a half percent. So, uh, so I think this may dovetail into obviously uh, the next Doctor Strange multiverse of madness because mm-hmm. this is very multiversal. But I'll get to that and what Strange is doing in this show as opposed to multiverses and how that uh, yeah relates to Loki. But I want to go back to. Uh, one uh, division, and what was the point I was going to make here? Shite. Uh, <laughs> is that it just this is what happens when you get old, kids? <laughs> uh, you know, don't, I always say don't get old, but the you know the flip side. The alternative is worse, right? Yeah, yeah the alternative yeah. is worse. Is that uh, uh, we had 
we had a lot of crockpot theories and other people did about Mephisto being the big bad in oh, WandaVision. Yeah. And start looking at Doctor Strange Supreme and his visual portrayal there. Uh, he yeah. looks and familiar, he starts he? looking pretty Mephisto. And so I'm wondering, is Marvel going to do a sidestep and we're somehow going to get more Cumberbatch than we bargained for? And maybe he's not only a great hero, but he's also going to turn it to be a great villain. Might be. Ooh. Might be. Oh, I don't know. That would be so good. Yes, it's very mephisto oh, So, first of all, watching live-action Benedict Cumberbatch confront, like, an evil version of himself would just be delightful. Um, yes. Going back to my theory that Doctor Strange and Wong are actually cats in human form, like, just, just watching that <laughs> hissing and, and puffing up would just be a delight. Um, also, it should put it should put all this, Marvel has a villain problem, Um allegations to rest because marvel's villain problem would have been solved (laughs) oh they solved it in loki yeah that said um i'm not sure like at this point i i feel like their priorities are shifting a little bit because um there's already going to be enough stuff that they're going to be asking audiences to try and keep track of and I, I think they might actually move towards simplifying. Like my my sense is that they're going to do the multiverse thing. It's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a test bed for well, what's landing, what's not, what properties can we keep going, and then there will be a thing where boom, we've reset, and <laughs> and and that and then we'll go into like phase five. I'm I'm not sure they're going to do quite what you're what you're. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not, know pick, I'm not picking up what you've put down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm not necessarily picking up either. I'm just yeah. putting it down. No, what I think is like Catherine Hahn's going to come roaring back as Agatha in like 10 years and there will be like, you know, you and Kelly and I all, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty Unquote. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so interesting, interesting things there. So another thing I want to point out is, and you mentioned this uh, with your uh, call out to Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Oh, yes. Uh, which what Strange was actually doing was he was Groundhog Daying Dormammu. Dormammu there. Who couldn't handle it. Like yeah. that was the right, thing, yeah. but, that's the thing but, that amazes me about that scene is I'm like, you're a being locked in another dimension for millennia why why is this what drives you crazy and what sends <laughs> you around the bend is repetition really yeah. yeah yeah no but my point is the theory of time it's it's not a separate universe mm. strange is doing loops and that's exactly what he was doing uh with christine with dr palmer he yeah. wasn't creating branches of reality he was looping it. He just kept trying to use the same one again. Yeah, exactly. Until he got right until he got it right, not making any branches. Yeah, right. Which is why so the TVA a... never showed up. Exactly. And so, what we've got here is a couple of different theories of screwing with us all with time. <laughs> and so, I wanted to point out that those aren't like branches of a timeline; they're loops inside a single timeline. And what the ancient one did was splitting Dr. Strange. She basically sent him to the past, Mm -hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. But it was the past on the same timeline. Mm-hmm. And that's how he was out, you know, uh, Strange basically took hundreds, if not thousands of years to become Dr. Strange Supreme yep. and absorb gnomes and such. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, it's really kind of interesting in this sort of like science or mythos of it all. It's two mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is about the, the timeline or the universe dissolving uh, that yeah. we saw in the end is that different? And you have to ask yourself: Is did Kang know about this timeline? If the Watcher knows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it makes you also wonder. I started thinking about: Does Kang know about the Watcher? That was just going to be my next question. As soon as you put them in the same sentence, was like, do they hang out? Yeah. So. It's going to get really interesting. And Lisa, you were talking about this being one-off. I think it's, you know, that they're just feeling it out or doing something and they see what gels. I I think Kevin Fahey has, uh, I think he's playing in-dimensional chess here. (laughs) And so uh, I, I, I am really, I, I am both delighted and aggravated. (laughs) <laughs> that I have no idea what's coming next. None. I yep. just like no idea. And I gravitate towards uh, entertainment like that, that I can't. <laughs> I was right? just going to say, and that's exactly how Don likes it. Signed yeah. the co-host of the other podcast where Don says that all the time. <laughs> exactly. Like, please surprise me. I do not. I, I, the thing that keeps me going back to Westworld, even though it's lost a little bit, the shine over three seasons Mm -hmm. is I can tell you flat out. uh, I didn't see that coming Mm -hmm. for, you know, every, um, every ending uh, that it's had. So uh, I want to keep saying that about these MCU uh, TV shows. So, yeah. And I think, you know, if we're going to talk about it from the, um, from i'm trying to figure out the best way but from from a corporate context i guess uh as a profit center and not just as an entertainment property uh one of the things to consider is your audience and you know one of the things that lots and lots of people have really enjoyed about the marvel universe is that you don't have to be a comic reader in order to enjoy the films and they've done a really good job of setting up these characters and creating these these long-term stories and all of these things that they do uh, that that you don't have to have the comics in order to know that like you don't have to have any history with anything marvel's ever printed on printed on a page in order to enjoy thor and iron man and vision and all the rest of them you don't have to have any of that now if you do you get some little bonus moments here and there, like we've chuckled about in the past, uh, but you don't, they're not required. And that's one of the things that I have wondered about as we started hearing things like the next Doctor Strange movie says multiverse right in the title. And uh, it looks, you know, and as we talked about uh, Loki and Kang and all of that, you know, um, uh, it looks like, what we're doing is just a whole bunch of legwork to set up a multiverse. And I'm really curious how they're going to 
tread that line effectively in this case because a lot of times it seems like uh, in a comic title, the reason you have a multiverse is so that you can go all of this stuff where you know, all of these things where we had all these writers do all these things for all these years and painted us into a corner. We're going to just undo all of that. And now we're going to fix it by going, none of that was real. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, no one shot JR. Yeah, yeah, no one yeah. shot JR at all. Ask your parents. And <laughs> that's the part that I think is is going to be the most interesting is trying to figure out how they do that without alienating all of the people who don't have any interest in having to go read a bunch of stuff or, you know, any of that. Like, how do you prime that pump for folks who haven't spent you know some portion of their life doing this already with you in your comic book titles so i'm I'm curious to see where that's how they're going to tread that line because i think it's going to be i think it's complicated yeah and it just gets more complicated all the time so one of the things i keep kicking around in my and and i don't have any good answers for this yet is when Robert Downey Jr. launched the first Iron Man movie and effectively launched the MCU, um, remember this is back when like, can superhero movies actually do anything? We've seen the Fantastic Four. Can they do this? Yeah. Right? And and the answer is, well, when you've got the right person and the right material, yeah, sure they can. And then it turned into, I don't know, well, people actually want to pay attention to a couple movies that build up to a capstone event like Avengers. And the answer is, yes, they do. And one of the things I've wondered through um, two dozen movies at this point is if you're like a comic book reader, you're habituated to serial narrative and paying attention to things. And well, actually every media person, pays, everybody who consumes media pays attention. But when you're doing serial narrative, you're used to, you know, reading through the panels to see what clues get dropped in one issue and picked up again later. And that adds to your gratification. Oh, I've had this story resolution. Oh, there's this dangling thread, but I'm sure it'll be picked up in the next story arc, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and while you have movies and sequels, like the appeal to movie is that it ends. Like it's it's like a two hour chunk of your t- time and you can walk away from it forever after that. You don't need to have done supplemental reading. Mm-hmm. Everything's resolved, Right. And we're now at a point where, again, it's been over a decade. There are more than two dozen movies. We now have four TV shows (laughs) that feed into it. And what I find myself asking is, what is the onboarding strategy for the MCU at this point? Because it's one thing to be like, oh, I started watching movies and, and now here I am. It's another thing like, what are they going to do to keep people from saying, oh, you know, I know my friends are into that stuff, but I don't know where to begin. It's too intimidating. I don't want to get into the series. Um, you know, because I see this with, other, with TV shows. Like, Well, you, you also see this with, say, Star Wars or even Star Trek, where there are people who can tell you, the, you know, all about how all of the different series build off each other or riff or so on and so forth. But if you're new to Star Trek and you're like, I just want to watch a bunch of actors run around in jump sh- in jumpsuits and have adventures, like that can be very daunting where how, what, what do you recommend to them? Right. And this is what I wonder with the MCU is at some point, are they looking at how they're going to get new people into this and not have them be intimidated by this fantastically complex and really 
tight continuity that they've developed over countless hours of entertainment at this point. Iron Man uh, came out in 2008 for people who don't know, who don't have that at the, at their fingertips. Um, it was 2008 and yeah, everybody went, well, there was X-Men, but X-Men was popular because nerds and <laughs> will regular people go see a comic book movie? And that was like a serious concern. And like you said, Lisa, like two dozen movies later, you know, um, like a lot of people don't have the patience for that anymore. You know, like even, you know, a TV show, right? Like if it's not on a streaming service, if it's something on like network TV once a week, and if you don't watch it this week, you miss it. You know, people go like, oh, that tells like a whole story. And, you know, I can't, I can't, I've missed it forever because I didn't start with the first episode. And I don't know how to keep up. You know, I don't know how to watch. I don't know how to, how to catch up so that I can enjoy it. So, you know, I'm out, you know, whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. But, How they're going to get into that now, if you know, without having to catch up 24 yeah. movies, you know, so, is going to be interesting. I want to hear your theory, Doc. Lisa. Lisa, none of that crap matters, and it's <laughs> obvious that it doesn't. Not a single bit of that matters because the money that they're making from this uh, stuff shows that mm-hmm. nobody needs to onboard, they just show up anyway, mm. and uh. If it was a big problem, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think we would get much much worse content. Uh, yeah, we would be getting. This is the kind of thing the DC universe uh, marketing people worry about, mm-hmm. and it shows in the material that they have. The thing that I like about Fahey and his team is. They just don't. They just don't give a shit. And they just keep making the movies and stuff like that. They don't. For example, Shang Chi coming out now. They don't care uh, in the sense that you need a background in the comics and that you need to have watched Iron Man three no, and just, all those other those of us who do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and they they don't care because people are gonna. They're going to put it out. They know now they're going to put it out there. People are just going to show up and eat it up. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I I don't even think they think about this, Uh, which is, uh, I think, a great thing. Uh, And I also think that it's not as much of a problem as we think, because the thing that has killed uh, network television Mm -hmm. uh, saves them is streaming that all of their stuff is available on all these streaming services. So if anybody wants to even casually try to catch up, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a solution for that. And, you know, you can do it easily in private now uh, and not embarrass yourself. Right. That's true. (laughs) Just, yeah, you you know, it's, it's not a big deal. So I, I don't think they're worried about the, uh, onboarding. So mm-hmm. okay. the time, the time mm-hmm. when you can tell in DC where the movies that they've actually done that have been good uh-huh. have been more of a screw it. We're just going to tell the story because it's cool mm. and we don't care, you know, how it relates. Uh, and Wonder Woman was very much of that thing. <laughs> Okay. 
I, so I'm gonna, yeah, I'll be curious because we, t- I was gonna say the people we tend to talk about this stuff with are largely a self-selecting group. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No. And I was thinking there's a girlfriend of mine who had never seen any of the MCU and her, tw- her 12 and 16 year old girls were like, oh, let's, let's just get started and have been watching the movies like all summer mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just got to Avengers they just got to Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> oh gosh. And they're like, what just happened? What is this? <laughs> and yeah. it got me thinking, like, they have no interest in like the Marvel shorts. Um, they're not particularly interested in the continuity at all. They're like, I just want to watch the movies and be entertained. And I thought mm-hmm. to myself, there's there's your there's your audience growth is you had one group that was pretty highly engaged at first but that group you've already locked in that group your growth now is for more casual viewers and how do you get them without losing them in a morass of alternate timelines and supplemental materials and things like that and don's answer is (laughs) don't worry about it (laughs) not your problem (laughs) yeah yeah which is a great answer to be frank (laughs) and it and it seems to be working for him. Yeah, but I think the phases help that too. Like you don't have to know all the stuff that happened before, you know, uh, in, you don't have to know all the stuff from phase one to look at phase two. You don't have to know all that stuff. Like it helps, but it's not required. For us, it's required. I mean, we, <laughs> I mean, we get up every day. It's very different when you've made it a lifestyle decision. Then, mm-hmm. you know, yes. I just want to go watch a movie for a couple of hours and have a good time. Yeah. No, because sometimes you just do, you just want a two-hour movie where you're like, Matt, here we go. <laughs> yeah, what did yeah. you call it when you put something on an audio in the background? It was a... Uh... Oh, it keeps the it keeps the gibbering monkeys distracted. Bingo, yeah. gibbering monkeys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it keeps the gibbering monkeys distracted. And again, my distraction techniques change, honestly, depending on the time of year, I've noticed. Um, but... TV shows as radio plays or movies as radio plays tend to work out really well. Anyway, my swamp kittens, I feel like we've worked out everything we can in this episode. Um, Fingers crossed that next week uh, we move away from the depressing realization that not every alternate universe is wildly entertaining. Some of them are just wildly depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least they were until they evaporated. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> any hoodle um my, my swamp kitten army i want to thank everybody who tweets at us and makes observations and comments your attention is gratefully received and appreciated let us know if you have any more comments or uh even theories that could find a home in kelly's home for waiver theories yes remember i run a home for them you can find us on twitter as i want my mcu tv that's mm-hmm. us over there. And you can also email us at mcutv at theincomparable.com. That will go to all of us directly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find us all on Twitter. And uh, we, I personally, as the proprietress of the, of the house, uh, I, I appreciate all theories in all shapes and sizes. Uh, please send them to us about like what we're seeing, where you think this is going to go. Um, Shout out again to Alex for who's Oatu talking to, because that's been on a loop in my head since I read it on Twitter. (laughs) I've been trying to figure it out and uh, I I hope we discover something soon. And I want to thank Kelly for running that home for theories, for showing up on this podcast and generally being a delight. Copy that, (laughs) cha-cha. 
I like how you picked a completely different episode. <laughs> I had to. There wasn't anything cute and cute and catchphrasey from this one. Like I had to use the little sorcerer's room. <laughs> I can't call you sorcerer Armani. That doesn't work either. So well, yeah, you, I you could. Uh, I'm I can never top. I can never top Kelly on these things. So. And I, Don, I, I want to thank you for your insight on um, all of this, and especially for tolerating our really segments every week and for talking me out of my, but how will the billionaire conglomerate function without an audience um, wormhole I fell into there? I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> no problem. All no right. problem. We're all good. This has been I Want My MCU TV with Don Melton. Yo. Kelly Gamont. Indeed. And me, Lisa Schmeiser. Have a great one, guys. Too bad this might spell the end of the world. But that's a story for another day. Oh, yeah.